The Conquest of Bliss, a podcast about finding light in the darkness. This episode was produced by Cabby Productions. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Conquest of Bliss. I am here with the amazing Dakota Thacker, who has agreed to take some time out of his day to join us. And how are you today, Dakota? Yeah, I'm doing great. Uh, uh, yeah, I was, I was telling you already a little bit. I just went to work today and had a great day. Went in early and got home early. And you were saying that you are coming up on or you just got through your first year in California? Yeah, first year in California. I just moved here from Tennessee, so the deep south. It's incredible and how little accent you have. Yeah, well, I've had, like, accents are interesting because I did have a really strong one when I was younger. Mm-hmm. But then I had, a, I also have, like, speech issues. That I, so I had to, like, have speech therapy for years growing up. So I, I learned to talk, <laughs> uh, like, <laughs> I don't know, without the accent a little bit there. But you see movie stuff too, so. And I'm, I'm curious, you're a speech therapist. Did, were they from Tennessee originally? Oh, uh, I have no idea. Uh, uh, probably. Did they, did they have an accent? <laughs> an accent? Well, I mean, that was when I was a kid. I like can't, can't even remember. Fair enough. I have no idea. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't remember 90% yeah. of my Probably, childhood. yeah. I had a, re- I mean, so I'm like... There's Southern, and then there's, like, old Appalachia Southern. What's the difference? Like, Southerners live in the modern world. Oh. <laughs> then there's, like, patches of the South that are, like, even more removed. And it's just sort of, you don't go there, I guess. It's just old ways of living and older types of people. But that's yeah, more what my family's like. Gotcha. That makes sense. Um, I think we just had a deeper accent because of that. I have a really dumb question for you. How many times has people tried to pick you up with the Tennessee pickup line? Uh, Yeah, I hear it over here a lot. I've never been (laughs) picked up in a romantic sense, but people just try to make that joke at me to be cheesy and fun, I guess. Like, honestly, (laughs) I... I would love to hit on someone using that if they if I knew they were from Tennessee. Um, it's like my favorite thing. I'm like and not a pickup line guy. That's so funny. You're not a pickup line guy. Oh, I am a pickup line girl through and through. Like the fastest way to my heart is. With a cheesy joke. No way. <laughs> it's gotta be a good pun. I'm just not a fan. Not my humor. Yeah, the worse the pun, the better for me. I'm like, make it dumb. Yeah. Um. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Um, I like puns. I just love but like, not the cheesy ones. <laughs> so what kind of humor would you say is your humor? Oh, that's interesting. I don't know. Um, well, I need like to parameters here. I got to figure um, this out. Okay, okay. I don't know. I love to laugh. That's for sure. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you're, you know, it's so interesting. I, um, oh, sorry. Well, I'm thinking like, TV shows probably shaped my humor the most. Like The okay. Office or something, you know? Oh, okay. Yes. Oh, I love it. Yeah, so that like millennial, millennial humor is my <laughs> favorite humor. 
because I'm you know, a millennial. So that's, that's probably what's true, whether I admit it or not. <laughs> you know, what's interesting is that in like in my social circles, almost nobody listens to The Office. I only or watch watches. You watch TV shows, Kara. Um, and yes, yes, it I watch it. <laughs> wasn't until the Internet that I discovered that other people also love. Well, OK, the Internet's been around longer than The Office, but you know what I mean? Until my forays into the internet world. It's, yeah, for sure. And Yeah, I watched The Office with my mom. I really? thought it was the funniest thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of young, I guess. When The Office came out, I don't know. Maybe I was in, like, middle school or high school. You were um, 25, right? 27. 27. 27. Oh, okay. Closer to 30 now. That's the first time I've said that. <laughs> It's okay. I'm 30 and it's really, really scary leading up to it. And then, and then it's like, oh, it means nothing. And then, oh, and then yeah, I would love to make it sad to 30. for a little while. Um, <laughs> or at least this is my experience. I don't know. I'm like every year, every birthday is like a victory. Like oh. fuck death. I like made it. <laughs> That's fantastic. And, and honestly, great. honestly, Dakota, like, so it's, it's so interesting to me. Cause like, um, you're just such a warm person. Like I, uh, I've, I've, this is going to sound weird, hopefully not creepy, but if, I apologize. So warm. Um, but well, well, what I find like, so like, I find myself very drawn to you as a person, like you're very interesting and I, I really respect you a lot and, and I find you to be very warm and you, you come across as very happy. Uh, these are all very, very kind things to say. <laughs> Well, and what is interesting is, is that like so many people who are warm and kind and thoughtful, you, you didn't get there by accident. It was a lot of work, right? Um, which I've learned as I've gotten to know you. Yes. Um, so, like, I guess my question to you would be, along the way, what was the the biggest like tool and when I say tool I mean maybe it's a phrase maybe it's an exercise that has helped you to get to each next birthday oh wow <laughs> um that's not even how it works it's just been like my friends helped it's been your me. friends yeah it's definitely not been anything I've been trying to do <laughs> not at all that's fair no anyway. I'm like my own worst enemy <laughs> Leaning, leaning in oh. on, on friendships is, is a tool. That for sure is. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> no, you have to do, you do have to be open and share your life with people. And I've been so, like, touched to, like, to have people that want to see me for who I actually am and deal with that. And not everyone has. A lot of friends have gone because I'm too much. And that's true. Like, I just have, I, yeah. That's, uh, not every friend is the same emotional weight you know absolutely and, and i definitely can be one um and i've just had awesome friends that have like helped me get to a place where i'm not as weighty <laughs> <laughs> or weightless well I, <laughs> um i think uh i think that you said something really really profound and you didn't even realize that maybe um when you said that you know people that really see me i think that's a problem that a lot of people have right is is feeling like they 
feeling like they can't let people yeah. see them for who they are and, and see their, their, you know, emotional scars or sometimes physical scars or whatever it is that makes them them that isn't this perfect being. And I think that that's one of the most beautiful things in the world. Like, <laughs> one of the most beautiful things in the world is the darkness that intersects with the light within within people. Personally. <laughs> yeah, that's. We're just it's fucking heavy. <laughs> it's probably a fancier way to say it. No, it's probably a better way to say it. Maybe you just did, but people just aren't one thing. We're not monoliths, you know. We're just we we are good and bad. And I mean, really, we're just trying to like survive. So, well, and it's that dichotomy I think that really, <clears throat> really takes us to the next level. That's what makes us interesting as humans. Um. <clears throat> so, do you think? The, do you think that you've always been blessed with good friends? Do you? Do you actually I have a better question <laughs> than that one? Even I do want to know the answer to that. Okay. Even more. <laughs> That's an interesting question too. Told you I'm bad at this. Um, so even even better than that is, do you think you've always been able to recognize healthy friendships? Oh, these are great questions. Okay, uh, your first question: Have I always been have I always been blessed with good friends? No, definitely not. <laughs> um. I've always had friends. I always want to have friends. I do remember one year in my life where I was like, I don't know, causing trouble for my teachers. So they moved me to a different class mm-hmm. where no one befriended me. Oh. So I was just in a class alone about a whole year. And it was, I guess no one befriended me because I was the bad kid. Maybe. I can't, I don't know. But I'm an extrovert and... And yeah, as a kid, definitely craving attention all the time. Mm-hmm. So I do remember that year. That stands <laughs> out. <laughs> but otherwise, and every year I have a new friend and old friends and good friends. That's fantastic. I'm, I feel very blessed that uh, that we that we get to be friends. Um, I, yeah. So I'm going to get you to answer the other question, but I'm going to quickly tell you something. Um, <laughs> so okay, yeah. Earlier, earlier this year. Um, I don't know. I messaged you about something. Um, I think I was drunk. I sometimes drink. And <laughs> yeah, I've been known to. I messaged you about something and I saw a message that you had sent me on Christmas time, around Christmas time. And because it was Christmas time, I didn't like I didn't really properly engage with the message. And it was just like the kindest message. Uh, okay. Um it was about about some I don't even remember. <laughs> yeah, so so I'll tell you and I'll just tell everyone this embarrassing story. Um, so I was a part of this Facebook group and it was an art group and I was like really proud of, of how much my drawing has Oh been. yeah. And they were so fucking mean to me. <laughs> they were so people mean. People were animals. <laughs> and they I was were awful people. So sad. And you... They're the kind of people that shouldn't make art because they're like, uh, the only good art is the art I make that looks this way. <laughs> yeah. And I was like so sad and I put on it. And then you had messaged me and like just reached out and it was just so kind. And, uh, and so I, I just thought I would share that with you. But anyways, the second question yeah. is, <laughs> at what point do you feel like you learned how to recognize good friendships? Was it a process or was it like an epiphany moment? 
Um, tell me a little bit uh, yeah. about that. Um, yeah, well, I mean, codependency is a big issue. So just, I think, hopefully, as you grow up, you realize where you're codependent. So those friendships, if you if you do struggle with codependency, it's very, very difficult to recognize that. Because mm-hmm. the friendship feels so good, but it's mm-hmm. like, of course it does. It's your drug, you junkie. What do you do? So Is that improper to say? I, I hope not. I'm not sure, but it, if people are listening to the post, this podcast, I'm pretty sure they're okay with humanity. People fucking up. Um, cause that's, yeah. all, that's all I do. All I do is fuck, fuck. Well, I don't want to say yeah. something offensive. I don't know if junkie is a bad word or not. Um, and I felt I, weird when I said it. I'm not sure. Probably, probably is. <laughs> if it felt yeah. weird, it's probably. Um, but I have a question about the codependency. I'm going to jump off that a little bit. Um, so in, co- so in codependent relationships, there's usually a dynamic of a giver and a dynamic of a receiver. Um, and then both kind of get addicted to the dynamic. So which side do you usually fall on? Yeah. Are you usually the receiver or the giver in those dynamics? Uh, I, I don't know. I think it's probably, uh, it plays back and forth a little bit. Like, uh, I'm really funny, generally speaking. Like, I can definitely make people laugh a lot. And, but, but I'm super emotionally needy, right? I I have tons of great attributes. There's things I can offer to people. I don't exactly know what people want out of me (laughs) when when they're my friends. Um, But I know, I know what I want and that I'm, um, yeah, I'll I'll crave attention big time and that, and emotional support or, like I just want their emotions and I want to occupy their time. That that totally Which, makes sense. And I think that that's a very yeah. normal human need. Um, yeah, and, it totally is. And I think, uh, yeah, like I think that that's pretty much what everyone wants because I think what you're describing in in a sort of self-deprecating way is the desire to connect. You want to feel people's emotions. You want to share yours. You want to be seen and you want yeah. to see people, right? Well, more, but the, the twist of it is more like, I want them to deal with my emotions because I don't know how to be alone enough to do it all with myself. I, like I'm not comfortable doing it or comfortable with who I am. Interesting. At least as I've like grown and developed healthier relationships, it's because I was able to well, I guess practice self-care is probably the, like the, the best way to put it into terms like focus on my problems and solve my problems or ex- at least examine myself for who I truly am and not trying to make someone else do my homework. Yeah. I think that that's really, that's really beautiful that you are, what's the word? Self-aware. Um, because a lot of a lot of us, me included, you know, have <laughs> very much the same. I mean, I'm debatably yeah. the most emo- emotionally needy person that I know. <laughs> um, but but uh, it's probably debatable. Yeah, like I said, debatably. Um, but uh, but I think that there's this I don't know this dichotomy that exists where we. We need to learn to 
be self-reliant to some degree. But we also need to learn how to lean in and process with other people because within all of our minds exists an echo chamber, right? If I just try to process my own emotions without ever reaching out, I can't see the flaws and the biases that exist in my in my logic and exactly. my cognition. Exactly. Um, so yeah, at what point did you did you realize how to, not necessarily how to, but yeah, how to recognize? Oh, this is a hella fucking toxic relationship. Uh, they usually explode. <laughs> Fair much. So I, I would say I haven't had a toxic relationship in. Um, maybe a year and a half, two years, something like that, where I where I don't like recognize myself leeching, as I would put it. Fair enough. But yeah, all those relationships have blown up, and uh, it just makes me really sad. I'm very empathetic, and I I feel I feel the the pain that I caused other people Mm -hmm. and that, and like, I get maybe, yeah, it's a real blessing that I'm empathetic. It can be hard too, but yeah, it's just hard to ignore. I, uh, when you look at what you've done or like how you've treated people and it's just, you just have to look at it and not be afraid to just stare at it for a bit. Mm -hmm. But what got me there was like, people blowing up at me for sure i um yeah i always look at empathy and uh and emotionality as as a bit of a superpower where it's like you know like if you could fly for example like you are going to crash Mm -hmm. and hurt yourself and hurt other people a lot before you learn how to properly fly right i think emotionality and empathy are like that too we need to learn how to wield them appropriately and then their superpowers yeah um so yeah, they definitely can be. I want to talk a little bit about uh, about codependence and versus what a healthy relationship or a healthy dynamic looks like. Um, so, have, have you have you ever heard the term interdependence? Okay. Uh, yeah, but you know, you should define it. <laughs> <laughs> so, interdependence is so uh, okay. On different ends of the spectrum, we have independence right? We have dependence, which is generally speaking like a mother and child or a father and child or whatever, Um, or, you know, someone who's unwell and someone who's not. So like dependent, there's healthy dependence. Yeah, caregiver. Caregiver, thank you. That is the correct word. And and then we have codependence, which we discussed before, which is a bit of an unhealthy dynamic where one person gets addicted to the other person needing them and stuff like that. Yeah. And then interdependence, kind of is is a little bit different so interdependence is when multiple in multiple sometimes meaning two or more um like i need to describe the word multiple yeah that's helpful um (laughs) and uh, the um so interdependence is when you have multiple independent people who actively choose to engage with one another and and build something together in whatever way build a relationship whatever while still being able to retain that independence um so an example would be like a couple where you know maybe both work or one stays at home they both have their own friends but you know they still you know buy a house together whatever it is that they decide to do together they build a life together 
while still being independent because eventually one party in any relationship is going to cease to be, regardless of how or why that happens. And in an, in a healthy interdependent relationship, while you're still going still to have pain when you lose someone, you can still function normally. Does that make sense? Yeah. So yeah. that means that they were part of you, but they weren't you and you love them. I think mm-hmm. is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, things can go all cattywampus, you know, but they don't always, um, <laughs> you know, and, and I mean, and, and just like anything in life. <laughs> Pardon? I said cattywampus, whoa. <laughs> it's been a bit since I heard that one. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> um, yeah. So, and like I said, like like with anything, I mean, and, and feel free to jump in if you agree or disagree or, or anything, but like anything, I think that it's, okay. it's, a, it's a constant <laughs> process. You know, um, like you don't achieve interdependence just like you don't achieve mental wellness it's something that you need to maintain oh, yeah. and be aware of oh well yeah okay so i mean that brings up like a whole can of worms as oh far i love as, worms let's hear it yeah me too worms are interesting but <laughs> well you know i've been in a christian environment too and there's mm-hmm. all kinds of like you know pressures there yes of like so, I mean, for example, I have, I've pretty much had to eject, uh, reject most Christian voices to acknowledge that my emotions are like a real thing mm-hmm. that are valuable to my survival. Mm-hmm. Um, like even just so a very weird, but common example uh, in my environment was like, I would just try to be explaining a simple thing that was going on in my life. And I'd say, I feel like, and I get like interrupted and say, you feel or you think, which one? Like, and that if I was feeling something, it was invalid. And I, w- I wasn't even allowed to use that sentence without people correcting me, oh. you know? So that environment wasn't healthy for, for f- that sort of self-reflection, I don't think, but. Yeah. I agree fully. That is that is very unhealthy. There's so much validity to our intuition. And the the heart is deceitful above all things. That's another thing you'd hear like really often um, by people my age too, which is so weird to think about. It's not even just like old women with their fingers <laughs> wagging. It's like it's the whole culture. Everyone thinks your heart deceives you and is wicked. Well, and I mean... Um, Oh, you're right. This is a whole can of worms because there's it's a whole can of worms. <laughs> well, we're both we're both like in the bad Christian club. This is something probably people talk about spirituality and yeah, Christian culture <laughs> and and for sure. And I mean, I think that you're really hitting the nail on the head about the the trap that you fall into, um, where it's like if if the belief if the default belief is that our emotions and our heart are bad, what that does is it, um, it, it imprisons us. It, it doesn't yeah. allow us to explore and to reflect and to grow and to, to truly understand the mind and what's going on. And personally, <laughs> and this is just a personal belief, I think that 
oh, this is going to be a bold statement. And I'm very, very sorry if I hurt anyone's feelings. But I think that <laughs> most of modern Christianity is exactly counter to the teachings of Christ. I feel, I feel scared even having said that. Um, yeah, I don't know if I could evaluate that statement or not. I um, have to be like an expert on Christ. <laughs> well, well, when I say the teachings of Christ, I guess what I mean is that the teachings of Christ were to love and to be non-judgmental, to uh, examine our own issues without examining others, without trying to yeah. harm other people. Um, it was counter to greed. And unfortunately, most of the Christian, the, the, the modern Christian culture that I've come into contact with, not all, mind you, but most is, is very shame-based and, sure. and very yeah, That's different. an element for sure. <clears throat> yeah, I'd say, I, I feel what you're saying. Like, I, I have many issues with modern Christianity that doesn't seem <laughs> to line up to me. Yeah, shame is a big, uh, yeah, I'm from the South. Shame is a big part of my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I loved that post that you shared about shame. Um, and yeah, and I mean, and I'm not at all trying to make a judgment about any individual in the church um, at all, because if that's like, like that's the problem with, that's the problem with shame. And, and, and this, I think this got away from people well before anyone who's alive today e even was born. Um, because it's a self-perpetuating Wait, culture. help me follow you there. What, what, I, I might have missed where you were going with that. <laughs> like I the shame-based culture is? Yeah, like I think that the shame-based culture, the judgment and all that, it's, it's valuable in, um, in keeping people in line. And I think... It's valuable for survival. And it's self-perpetuating. We needed it. We needed it when we were like evolving, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in our earliest days as humans, like, you know, somebody keeps walking over to the dangerous part of the jungle or whatever, where they get eaten by an animal. You shame anyone else that would try to go that way. Absolutely. Like, I don't know. There's probably better examples, but it, um, it had a great function earlier <laughs> absolutely and it and it caused order and it allows it allowed us to grow communities right because then we feared being ousted and then and then so yeah. we fell in line like there's a lot of value in it historically um and there's a lot of valuable times to shame things i think racism hits me right now to think about yeah i can i can see that um and it's interesting oh it's interesting because you and i have very different takes um very, I think, very similar core beliefs, but different mm -hmm. takes on it. Because um, I, I tend to think, I tend to think the shame shuts things down, shuts down conversation. And while I very, very, very much like, I like all of your posts <laughs> um, because I very uh, much thanks. agree that it is abhorrent. You know, like it's just, I, I don't even have words. <laughs> like it pains me to see what goes on. But I, I know people in my personal life who, I don't want to say they don't know any better. That's not really what I mean. Um, who aren't going to learn any better unless I talk to them. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Instead of just shaming them. Totally. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that you do that. So don't don't get me wrong. I just... No, and I, 
No. I, I okay, well I should say this. I've felt ashamed about my thoughts and actions before. Mm, mm-hmm. And that's helped me stop doing harmful things. Mm. So you know what I think is happening here? Um I think we're using the word shame Different. differently. Oh, I bet we are then. Tell me um, <laughs> what you're thinking. Because <laughs> from what I understand, and uh, and I feel like okay, <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna say, and I just had a psychologist on here to talk about it. No, okay, I'm not trying to like prove my point. What a what a fucking loser. Um, oh wow, I just called myself a loser. Sorry, guys, don't do that. Um, sorry, I'm not a loser. Yeah, don't call <laughs> Kara a loser. <laughs> I didn't don't mean do that, guys. Uh, <laughs> I meant don't do that to yourself. <laughs> uh, but anyways my point is so the difference between shame and guilt is shame is there's something wrong with a person so there's something wrong with me as a human guilt is i've done something wrong and so guilt like you're talking about is very productive if i do something and oh i, I don't know guilt for it it's very productive because then i can actually use that and jump off the problem with shame is when we believe that there's something inherently wrong with us as humans or as whatever, um, in whatever sense, when we believe there's something inherently yeah. wrong with us, we have nowhere to go from there because it ceases to be our fault and we lose all of our control. Okay. I see the point you're making. So I, I feel so, like I've internalized so many bad truths or false truths from the culture but they're just like a part of me now. Like there is something wrong with me. My culture acted on me so strongly in my development that I'm pretty much in a pathway now. But I, but I feel like I, what's also true counter to that is that like I, as an adult and as a more conscious person, I get to choose whether or not I'm going to live out of those biases or not. Is that brief? I'm not that, sure if I'm communicating that well, but. That no, I think I think you communicated that quite well. Um, I'll I'll reiterate what I think okay. you said, and you can confirm if this is what you meant or not. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> I think what you're saying is that because you were born and raised in a culture that was entrenched in a lot of these, let's say, challenging <laughs> worldviews that that um, can be very problematic and yeah. helpful to other people that it is foundational for you. And so it's very, very difficult to step outside of that and move forward, possible, but very difficult. And, it, and when you fall back, you're falling back onto habits that can be harmful to other people. Yeah. And at this part, like, it's just a part of me. Like, um, what was that great movie, Inside Out? Oh, that is a great movie. Like a core memory. Mm-hmm. Like, to some degree, this is it's a part of me. Well, maybe. But, I don't know. We're cha- we're changing. I don't need to argue about what shame is either. This is a pointless conversation for me to I, be arguing. I disagree. I actually think that it's a fantastic oh. conversation. The co- uh, conversation's good. Me trying to argue definitions feels silly. <laughs> well, I actually didn't feel that you were arguing the definition. I think that you were clarifying that, no, what you meant was shame as I described it. Oh. Um, is that you do feel that it is something inherently wrong with who you are. So, don't worry, bro. I got you. I guess so. Uh, <laughs> and, and I think that, that it's productive. I think that the reality, the confusing, messy, ugly reality of life is what people are desperately craving to see and to feel normal. Like, I mean, for me, I, Dakota, there are endless, endless things that I have 
I felt like a freak for, I felt like a bad person for or whatever. Mm. And when I see someone else speaking up and saying, you know what, I'm flawed too in this way. I realized like, oh, oh yeah, okay, I'm just a human and that's okay. And then I can move forward from a place of love instead of that place of shame. That's for sure the powers of stories, of our personal stories too. So, so I'm very glad that you chose to uh, to push back and and clarify what you were saying. Um, I'm just I'm I'm happy about that. Uh, and so, if like let, let's assume let's assume that you know it is an inherent part of you. What do you think? And this is just speculation. Um, what oh, yeah. do you think? Uh, what do you think the next best step is then when when you when you have to interact with that part of yourself? What can you what can you do to work around that? Is there a way to work around it? Do you just have to find a way to accept it? Like, oh yeah, well I think um, great question. Let me just <laughs> think for a second before I answer. That's all right. You so I do powerfully believe in our ability to change and to choose. Okay. Um, like I, I've personally like really wrestled with you know, ideas of like fatalism or determinism, whatever people okay. want to use. But just like it's like life is just on a track. It's all mathematics. Okay, um, so so you you believe in determinism? I, I've that's like a I used to. It was a real strong thought I had okay. that like you know everything was kind of launched into motion, and it's just. It just has a set way it's going, and can you choose anything? I don't. Something I'm wrestling with, I guess. But I, as I live more and more in my life, I think I, I see a lot of my purpose as uh, developing the the ability to choose more, mm-hmm. choose, like make decisions. So, for so for instance, with with my upbringing, this thing that's a part of me. Uh, like racism is just the, such an easy example to illustrate this. Like I was raised and taught racism to a point that it's like embedded in me that like I had um, that's, yeah, that's what our whole culture is like trying to rest in America anyways, just trying to wrestle with right now. Mm-hmm. Like how deeply is racism embedded in us here too. Good. Well, so there just is a part where it is almost inescapable that like, that's my default. Like I, I can't help, you know, what, yeah, to use a very personal example. Like I, I was definitely taught that black people were criminals. Right. So mm. just being like, I have a bodily response often just being around black people of tension. That is like wrong. That's just, it's it's the worst i hate feeling that way Mm -hmm. but that's where i've changed because now i realize i feel that way and i hate it and like i am actively hating that that would be how i choose to be around these people that i don't know or maybe i even do know i don't know i don't know when it happens but that's interesting and and i would wonder too like is there a way to for lack of a better term, deprogram that, um, you know. Well, without... yeah, listening to people is a good way to deprogram yourself. Well, I, I <laughs> mean, I mean, to other people correct you. 
Like that, for sure, for sure. I'm a big believer in believe people's experiences and trauma. I don't have to understand it for for me to understand that it's true. Um, But I, I mean specifically like things when we have like visceral reactions to different things and things like that. <clears throat> I'm just wondering if there's mm. a way to do that without without harming oh, yeah. other people because you know like when they uh like I mean and 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 basically that's a fear response that you were taught, right? And if right. you have a fear response right. in other ways like you're afraid of heights, they tell you to go jump out of a plane or something like that. But obviously it is un- oh, right, it is trauma. I'm sure there's a way to to heal it. Yeah, and so I just wonder I wonder if um like I'm thinking EMDR or bilateral tapping or um, emotional freedom technique, something like that. Uh, anyways, it doesn't matter. Sorry. <laughs> I, I got off track. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, the more and more black people I meet and the more friends I have, the more I, you know, they're just the, the pure joy of my experiences is overcoming the emptiness of my fear. Mm-hmm. Like I was taught to be afraid. I didn't ever experience anything that made me afraid of of black people in general. But I was taught that through whether you like TV or people's conversation, that got embedded in me. But yeah, my experiences with my friends has really kind of re- replaced those slots with joy. I don't know the the fear slots that are occupying my brain well and and that is however just, that works that's just wonderful news in my opinion um and just yeah, yeah. So, so here we've got uh we i mean i'm not going to pretend like there's no issues with like racism against black people i'm sure that exists here but with here like here the uh the the the, the bigger more overt racism that we see here is actually toward uh, aboriginal people and growing oh up, we hate them too for sure. <laughs> Growing up, we uh, we heard a lot of things about like alcoholism and all sorts of stuff, and then we were never taught about like the residential schools right. and the things that the things that put communities in these positions. And and so I'm I'm very much in the same boat. Where I mean, I I, I thankfully was very subtly taught this stuff. I wasn't taught it in in an overt way, but I definitely ha- I catch myself thinking something and then going, whoa, 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 what the fuck? Um, and, and I mean, I'm very grateful mm. that I actually live in a community where there's a lot, a lot more Aboriginal Native people here. Um, and I can, I can just, like you're talking about, learn to, learn to see the lies, you know, that were fed and right. learn to confront them in a real way. And, and something, this is a little bit off topic with the racism thing, but something that you said that I find very interesting is you said that you you think that for example the racism is a part of you or you feel that these 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 challenges that you have as outside of that as well are a part of you but you think that they can change so and this is sort of just like a curious question um, do you think theoretically mm-hmm. that you you can change your entire person like that you can like I, I think uh, you can no <laughs> there's too much of me. Just like infinite things about myself, I don't know. I couldn't change it all. I could. I bet you could probably change anything about yourself that you focus your attention on, though. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, 
Yeah, like I said, yeah, I mean, we do. I, well, that's uh, not true, is it? Because people are, are, I don't know, I just, even mental illness, it's not like you can think mental illness away. I hope it doesn't come across that way. Like I'm saying that. Just, oh, that's interesting. See, you're very self-aware. I didn't even think of that as a potential way to understand what you just said. Oh, or even uh, with your sexuality. Uh, yeah. Very interesting, because that's very true. There are definitely innate parts of us, um, you know, like I've been bisexual since I was, you know, six. Um, I've liked girls and boys. <laughs> um, so that's true. There, there's definitely innate parts of us. And and I just, I guess, and this is just me kind of like, you'd think I was baked right now. Um, just like <laughs> kind of thinking, wandering um, mind. I'm just like, I wonder how much of who we are is physical and how much of it is like behind that. You know what I mean? Because like we've got these machines, like our bodies and okay. the brains inside them. And that runs so much of, of well, us. I mean, that, yeah, but it's, it's just a, a, an organ. It's part of it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the brain's made out of physical matter, the same as the rest of the stuff. Yeah. So like, I wonder like mental illness, you know, like definitely resides in the brain. I definitely don't think that that's a quote unquote spirit problem. Um, uh, yeah. You know, so yeah, just sorry. I got way off track, but that's, that's my. No, story. well, you think about it. People are born with like heart conditions and diabetes or, you know, just, oh, we have ailments of other parts of the body. Mm-hmm. Uh, the brain's a very complex organ. It, we have to like totally destigmatize, you know, mental mental illness because of course people are mentally are mentally ill. Like the brain is so complex. Yeah, there's just, a billion things that could go wrong in that. Yeah, and it's appendix same, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> Got one thing that goes wrong. <laughs> well, and it's the strangest thing to me that we do stigmatize it. Like one of the things that always annoyed me is when people would say about anything, it's all in your head. It's like, okay, how is that a phrase that we <sighs> use to dismiss things? How is that a phrase we use to dismiss things when literally something residing in our yeah. heads, like that's the most important part of our body. Like any other part of our body can be cut off and we can survive. I know. You know? But it's the source of your stream, you so, know, if you're... So to say it's all in your blocked. head, like that seems more serious, not less, you know? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. What an insidious phrase when you think about it. Oh, yeah. It's bothered me for a really long time. But it was it was a, a phrase that was specifically used to dismiss me for a long time. So it's a phrase that I've thought about a lot. Um, because right. because for a long time, you know, like me being an emotional person was, was wrong, morally wrong for me to be emotional. And, and you know what? That's a whole... Thing. Oh, so that's interesting for you to take it that way instead of it being like your thoughts are wrong. You're saying it, that's the same narrative I was fed with the do you feel or do you think or your mm-hmm. heart's deceitful. So yeah, and and I mean you know good old good old Christian values. Um, sorry. Well, so I I love emotions. I want to just interrupt to say that I love emotions so much. Me too. Like I. I Ah, oh, I mean, it's such a beautiful part of the world that we try, 
we try to hide yeah. that even the dark emotions are beautiful in their way you know what well, I, I see emotion you know so we have thoughts right like we we see something we interpret it we form a sentence in our brain maybe but we are a concept you can think on it for a while but then your emotions are like a different um plane of interpretation mm-hmm it's a different plane of interpretation of the reality around you. You can't put it into thoughts the same way. I mean, we talk about our intuition being powerful. I think that's like our brains picking up on all these micro signals and clues in the world. And so that we, we are forming a thought, if you will, but we don't know how to word it. Like, why is that man untrustworthy? Well, I can't give you a list of nine things that makes them untrustworthy mm-hmm. but I have a feeling that was actually brought upon by my body healthily working and perceiving my reality around me and yeah I can't put it in a in a typed list but the feeling that that man is dangerous is is valid absolutely absolutely it's, it needs to be recognized as one of our senses that's here to keep us alive well, and oh gosh, this, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I couldn't agree more with what you're saying. It's our emotions, in my opinion, is the only way, because our subconscious doesn't have language the same way that our, our conscious does, like our conscious mind, right? I see emotions as the right. only way for our subconscious to communicate to us. Um, you know, they, they don't communicate with words, yeah. they communicate with chemicals, Right. They flood our brain with chemicals to give us certain emotions to communicate ideas to us that, that you're right, can't be put into words because it's coming from a part of us that doesn't use words. I think, well, I get that. That's a perfect link to like music, the, why it's so powerful. I mean, some people are very into the lyrics and I like good lyrics, but I listen to plenty of songs where the lyrics are just nonsense that I don't get. <laughs> but But I know the song is... You know, it, it gets you. You're like, yeah, I feel that. I know what this feeling is. This is true because I've, I've been here. Yeah, and it's it's really beautiful. Um, but before before we close out, is there anything that you want to add or plug or anything like that? Oh. And then and then I'm going to ask you if you want to play a game after. Do I want to add or plug anything? I. I have no idea. Or like you can say hi to someone or you can recommend a book. You can do anything you want. Yeah, I should have thought, oh yeah. (laughs) What should should people that listen to this podcast take away from me? Yeah. And what would I link them to? Um, A book. I'll just say this. The number one teacher I've had is uh, Reddit and Twitter. Mm. because it's just people talking firsthand. I don't watch the news as much. I like just people's stories. Just, yeah, the more you can learn what another person's experience is like, the easier it's going to be to have a society. Dude, that is such a good recommendation. I discovered the Am I the Asshole threads on reddit and (laughs) i kid you not i spent well like i mean i consider myself a bit of a student of humanity like i just love to like observe yeah yeah yeah. you know what people think and do and that is a beautiful like 
it's, I can't even describe it. It's the most perfect spot because people get into these situations, whatever they are, and they say like, did I do something wrong here? And then like very rarely is it unanimous (laughs) and everyone's got it. Oh, right. Um, I was arguing with a friend a couple days ago about one of those. Yeah. <laughs> I was arguing with We had different... One. Yeah. I read the uh, the insane parent one. Like hearing other people talk about how their parents are abusing them or not realizing that they're being abused and having other Redditors like walk them through how it's abuse. That's just incredibly helpful. You're supposed to see yourself and go, wait a minute, I'm in a situation like this. Uh, oh. That's, that's okay. I, I really love that. <laughs> I think that that's, that's very helpful because it's also the nice thing too, is that it's both passive or active. So hmm. you can participate in it or you can just consume it if you're not ready to participate in the conversation yet. And you're not an emotional burden on anyone else. You're not mm-hmm. being codependent with that. It's a stranger from the internet that offered it up freely. Yep. Take it or leave it. Um, so Dakota, would you be willing to play a, a game with me? Oh yeah. Okay. So what I'm going to do, I find slang from other English speaking places around the world. Okay. And then I make my guests guess what they are. Cool. Um, and so we're, we're doing Scotland and I have about 1% confidence that I can pronounce these. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we'll see how it goes. Um, We're going to guess what this is, the slang yeah. word. So That's the first the one right. is Bawher, B-A-W-H-A-I-R, Bawher, although I might pronounce it wrong. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like it should be nowhere, right? <laughs> it's close. <laughs> is that what that means? It says, used use to determine a very short distance, literally meaning the width of a pubic hair. That was a Bawher away man. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So it might be baw hair. I might have pronounced it wrong. It might be baw, baw hair. hair. Um, okay. I would have never known. Uh, clarty or clarty? Clarty? No idea. <laughs> it's someone, someone of questionable personal hygiene. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense when you say it. He's a clarty. I know clarty he's a, people. He's a clarty yeah. bastard. Oh. Was that Irish or Scottish? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can't uh, tell the difference. Um, it's like, my great-grandfather was a wee baron in Scotland. Um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't mean to do that uh, out loud. Um, I think, no, I think white accents are still okay. <laughs> We're still game. I'm still bad at it, though, regardless. Um <laughs> Well, so is every person that tries to do a southern accent, and I'm sure a Canadian one. <laughs> what do you mean, darling? <laughs> That's the best That's I can potential. Do. <laughs> That's potential. <laughs> um, okay, uh, Bampot. Bampot. Hmm. Can, can you use it in a sense where it doesn't give it away? That guy's a Bampot. Damn. Well, he's not a good guy, that's for sure. But bam pot. I don't know. It it means uh, an unhinged idiot. Oh, I don't like that one. I won't use it. Um, this one I actually already knew. 
So Ken. Okay. So the word is Ken. Ken? Ken. Mm. K-E-N. Yeah, it's is someone akin. Is that what you uh, said? it's close, but not really close at all. Like it's, they're my sounds. Like they're the my same. kin. <laughs> uh, it means That's no. My word. So like if I say do you ken? Do you ken what I mean? It means do you know what I what? mean? Yep. All right, we're gonna do uh, one more and, and who knows if it's good. <laughs> Ooh, this one. Okay. okay. It's kind of on theme, but not really at all. It's not what it sounds like. Whitey. I mean, there's only the obvious answer. <laughs> it's uh, Y D Y D. It's it's Y-D. spelled Whitey, like W H I T E. Oh, Whitey. Well, I don't know. Maybe that means someone's like good or clean or something. <laughs> it's or, like, like the opposite. It means like to vomit. Literally, um, literally this time, usually alcohol uh, related. So here I'm being thrown out. The bouncer just caught me whiteying in the toilet, and he's no happy about it. So white uh, is to vomit. It's like the opposite of good and clean. <laughs> I have a I have a bonus round oh, for okay. you. Let's hear it. See if you can guess a southern slang word. Ooh. Tarnation. Ooh, oh, like what in tarnation? Um, see, there's my yeah. there's my shitty southern accent. Uh, I actually have no idea what tarnation does it actually have a meaning outside of like exclamation? All right. I have no idea. I've been hearing that my whole life. I have no idea what people are talking about. I don't know what tarnation is. That's it's like we're all in the same boat on this one. It's the place where we get the stuff for the roads. It's the it's the country where we get the stuff for the roads. Tarnation. It's the tarnation. Um, (laughs) All right, Dakota. Thank you so much for joining us. I had a really good time talking to you. Yeah. And to my Uh, I always enjoy talking to you. I always enjoy talking to you too. Okay. Perfect. So to my listeners, I love you. Bye.